What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we hung out with Onyx over Zoom video. Onyx talks about where they were born and raised, how they got into music, spent the first 13 years of their life in Los Angeles. And when Onyx was going into high school, that's when their family moved to Colorado. Onyx talked about playing the trumpet through middle school into freshman year of high school, producing songs on GarageBand. After attending one year of college, Onyx knew music was what they wanted to be doing. So Onyx moved back to Los Angeles, went to the Music Institute, talked about putting out the music video for Double Dose. Onyx talks about the success of Illuminati and all about their most recent cover of the Britney Spears song, Toxic. You can watch our interview with Onyx on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Onyx. Onyx, thank you again for, for doing this. My name's Adam, and this is a podcast about you and uh, your journey in music. Amazing. It's amazing to meet you, and thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, so first off, where, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born and raised in the Valley here in California, but then when I was about 13, I moved to Colorado. Okay. I'm from yeah. San Diego, so I, I know okay. Southern California a little bit, but uh, so you're in the Valley of what, LA? Yes. Yes. I was in West Hills, Calabasas, kind of that whole circle. Okay, cool. And at 13, you said moved to Colorado? Yes. Yes. At 13, my parents uh, decided to retire early, uh, which was kind of, it was a weird time for me to move out of, you know, my friend groups and everything. I was going into high school. I just mm -hmm. had a bar mitzvah and I, it was just, yeah, we moved to a place called Broomfield, which a, a great place, but complete culture shock for me. I bet. I mean, especially at that age, right? Going from, yeah. you have your, like you said, you have your, your core group of friends going, getting ready to go into high school and okay, now we're moving to a totally different state and you've got to start exactly. over. And uh, it's such an interesting time to have to, to, to do that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, obviously in LA, you know, there's so much diversity and there's a, there's a little bit of everything where I moved. You know, I was suddenly, you know, the token black kid. I experienced racism for the first time. And I just like, it was a strange move. So as soon as I was done with my promised one year of college in Colorado, I hightailed it back to LA. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. well, as far as music goes, do you come from a musical household at all? So, yeah. So my, my father sang um, in Temple and whatnot. And then I actually started in band in middle school. Oh, so okay. I, I really wanted to play the drums and I really wanted to sing. But what I was given was the trumpet. So oh, wow. I took yeah, I took what I could get. I played trumpet all the way through um, freshman year of high school. 
Um, and I just realized, you know, the ensemble wasn't really what I wanted. You know, I was always fighting for that solo. I was always wanting to make my own music rather than playing, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and Disney tracks and all these right, things that, right, right. that were chosen for me. I always, I always gravitated towards the more dark, you know, scores. And so I decided, you know, at, during my first year of college, which initially I wanted to become a plastic surgeon. That's what oh. I was going to, that's what I was going to school for. And I, 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 feel as though it was kind of to please the parents. But um, then, you know, I started making music in GarageBand uh-huh. and it will never see the light of day. Um, it was some, <laughs> some questionable choices were made uh, and it just kind of spawned from there and just developed. And then when I moved to LA, you know, I, I was going by my, my legal name, which I won't say on camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just decided, you know, I was like, I need a name, you know, I need a, I need a moment. I'm going to be this, pop star this like this this entity and so you know my grandmother's stone her favorite stone that she always wore was onyx mm-hmm. and i wanted it to kind of read more like a, a name so i went with o and icks and the rest is history <laughs> wow okay uh so, well in uh you said middle school was when you had the opportunity to join join the band in my middle school that was the first time you could play percussion i mean that was a thing um, that's what I there, wanted. Yeah, that's I was. That's what I was going to ask you. Was that not something that you had the opportunity to play? It was all, only mainly like witness, or they just didn't have percussion at the. They, they band. did. It was actually it was a huge band. Um, I went to a magnet school um, called SOCES in Reseda, and it was a huge band. They had percussion, and for some reason, my parents guided me towards the trumpet. I think okay. that maybe at home with a drum set was something that they didn't want to be involved with. <laughs> I, for sure. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like hype, you know, very hyper, very ADHD. And so they knew I would fixate on whatever it was that I was going to do. And so I could only imagine what banging on the drums in my room or something like that was going to do to their lives. <laughs> sure. I luckily enough now I, I have a seven year, or he's going to be seven next month. Um, but during COVID when tons of energy same thing it was like electric drum kit here you go and you, when he hits on it it's just it's not nearly as annoying but um exactly it does have the kick <laughs> he has the real kick so you can hear the doo, doo. Okay. Uh, but, uh he's getting better but it, it, it's just one of those things where i always thought like you know the drum set was such a cool instrument but you drive the whole neighborhood insane Exactly. And back then, you know, they did have the pads that you can practice on. Oh, but sure. That's not the same as hitting the snare. That's not the right, same as, right. you know, your cymbals and everything. But now it's like literally you can play the entire thing on like this electronic masterpiece and it sounds yeah. just like it in your headphones. And I'm like, damn it. Or just like on a MIDI <laughs> keyboard. Like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> literally. That's, that's all we do in the studio. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need a new drum kit. Okay, perfect. Done. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want it to sound like this recording of this album. Okay, hang on. Get the plug in. Exactly. Um, that's awesome. So, trumpet. Did you? Were you? It sounds like you were singing as well, though. Was that something that you? Um, that's what I wanted to do. So I still none of that. Yeah. So I was I was singing at temple and whatnot. I was kind of just singing to myself. I was on, an only child, so I always had to kind of create whatever world I wanted around me. My parents had these big jobs. And they, you know, I, I was a latchkey kid. So I got my key before all my friends. I was always going straight from the bus to daycare, from daycare home. And I always sang to myself. And I always knew that, like, I think the biggest reason why I never joined an actual choir is because my voice was very different than all of the kids in choir. 
So I didn't have that classic, you know, theatrical choir voice. You know, I, I, I did one theater play in high school and it wasn't, you know, I was, I was kind of the com- comedic relief. <laughs> I was really okay. good at being funny, but like, I just didn't trust that my voice was that style. And I really, I, I felt deep inside that whatever style my voice was, it was going to be special. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to, and I remember thinking at a, at a young age, even in middle school and high school, I didn't want someone to come in and, you know, hook me up with a vocal coach at a young age and then lose this kind of weird voice that I had created that I sing to myself. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to be classically trained. Even when I went to the Musicians Institute in Hollywood for college, I, you know, when I, I they have one-on-one workshops there where they hook you up with a vocal coach and she, like, bless her heart, she was really trying to get me to do the classic vocal warm-ups and the classic way of singing. I would sing one way, and she's like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. It has to come from this part of your body, and you have to do it this way. And I'm just like, that's just not going to work for me. Right. That's not <laughs> what I'm going for here, right? <laughs> no. No, no. Okay. Um, that's, that's interesting. I did read, and I don't know if you, if we can take this out if you don't want to get into it, but I, I uh, am in recovery, and I saw that you had a, a, a problem yeah. with, drugs and alcohol, or at least drugs I did. from what I read. Was that around the going into, or was that around the high school? And I mean, days this, I'm this, taking in all of that new, you know, Colorado and racism and this and that, and just, that must've been a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're in recovery, then you understand, you know, there's not, there's not ever a stable timeline when it comes to addiction. Right. So, you know, disease, the first time, as they say. yeah surprisingly enough, when I grew up in LA, I'd never even seen a single drug, like not even crossed my path, not even Mm. weed. Like I'd never even seen it, you know, heavy drinking. I never saw, but then as soon as I got to Colorado, the first thing I wanted to do was rebel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when I started experimenting with weed. I saw hard drugs for the first time. I didn't really dive in. And then, you know, once I saw what it was doing to people around me, I actually kind of sheltered myself and told myself, this is not for me. I'm not going to get involved with drugs. Like, please, Onyx, like, God, please don't do this. And then, you know, I moved to LA uh, about 19 years old. And then when I was 21, uh, I had management, you know, my eyes were big and I was like, oh my gosh, I finally made it. You know, like I have two music videos out and it's like these two rich guys who said that they're going to make me a star and, you know, the class oh, wow. screwed up story. And I didn't realize that they were really, really terrible people. And what they did was they essentially just shelved me. They told me that, you know, I couldn't, I was about to travel to New York to do a show. They're like, you know, we're going to put that on pause. We talked to the promoters, you know, you're just not ready yet. Why don't you stay home and write? And I was Mm. like, okay, all of this momentum, but no, no, they must be right. Because, you know, these are the people I trust. They're my management. They would never hurt me. And I was, I was a child. And so that's when, you know, I, I was just like losing my mind and I went straight to hard drugs and it lasted Mm. like that for about two years. And it was, it was I don't regret it, but it was terrifying, you know, mm-hmm. what I experienced, especially because I was being shielded by this management who I found out ultimately knew that I was on drugs and was letting it happen. And it was, it was just like a whirlwind of crazy. Oh, wow. Well, uh, I'm glad you were able to kind of get through that. I know same. I say that too. in in and meetings and stuff like I'm, I'm glad I, I have it and had, cause I was able to like more, you know, self-reflect and you know work these things and out that i never even would have thought if i didn't (laughs) kind of have that issue with my life um but uh i'm glad that it's you know you're able to to get out of that situation at least absolutely Um, you too 
Thank you. Uh, well, just real quick, I, I know you just kind of talked about how it was a terrible situation to be in with with these managers and this, that, and the other thing. But like getting to LA, you, you do your one year to appease the family in college and in Colorado, and then it's mom and dad, I'm going to LA again. Was that a tough conversation to have? Um, you know, when I was in college in Colorado, I started hosting these club events. And um, I was throwing parties at, at straight clubs and I was, I was kind of creating queer spaces and things like that. And, you know, I was, I was just doing music and I was just like, God, this just like, I feel like no matter how hard I try, like I felt like I was at the top of what I could accomplish there, mm-hmm. the top of like the social ladder, whatever you want to call it, the top of whatever. And I was just so bored and I was just not challenged. And one day I was in my dorm and I literally just called my mom and I was just like, I'm leaving. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to LA. I'm going to go to music school. And I, I, you, you knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, why don't you come over? So I came over and I talked to them and I was just like, you know what? I would really appreciate your help, but I understand if you can't. And I'm just like, if I don't do this, like I'm going to lose my mind. You guys knew that this place was not for me. My parents were already regretting living there. My parents actually moved back to California. Oh, wow. So <laughs> yeah, af- after about three years of me living there, they realized that I was the only thing anchoring them to Colorado. They realized mm. that they may have made a mistake and they followed me and wow. we're super that's, close. I was going to say, that's yeah. amazing that now your family's all together. Exactly. Yeah. But it was, it was a tough call to make, but also I, I there was nothing stopping me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, I'm packing it up. I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to classes next semester and this is it. I'm out. Yeah. You all can come or not. Yeah. <laughs> do what you got to do. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Um, so to kind of get into just having the success of gaining these man- uh, managers and stuff and putting out music videos, was that something that was done once you had got to Los Angeles? Do you start writing songs there? I mean, attending Music Institute probably helped a little bit with that, but tell me about that, you know, kind of part of yeah. your, your musical journey. Yeah. So because I had been kind of, you know, obsessing over this like pop star lifestyle that I wanted to live, you know, when I went to MI, I actually, before I started, I, I remember I moved to California in like an August and I didn't start until the next semester. So I had mm. a whole semester to myself in LA and I was just like, okay, either I can actually make music before I go into school and see what comes out of me naturally, or I can just wait and just let them create whatever version of, of Onyx that they see fit. So I decided I was going to do it on my own. So I, you know, I got, I remember getting on Craigslist, finding producers, find, like I didn't need anybody to write with. I trusted myself in, in writing. I was always, I was a, a big writer in college and a big writer in uh, high school and poetry came kind of second nature to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I just, you know, did a, I think it wasn't GoFundMe. It was the other one. What is the other one? Uh, I know the other the other crowd crowd funding. What was it called? I'm I'm blanking out now. The other the first one. (laughs) Yeah, that and you know my first thing I ever wrote professionally. It was called Double Dose. It you know thinking about it now, it feels like a very corny song, but it is what it is. And Double Mm -hmm. Dose, you know, I already had you know when I write music, I I simultaneously think about the visuals, and so I knew I wanted this like abandoned and insane asylum insane asylum sorry and i wanted these nurses i wanted i for some reason i decided to sing this to a woman and i you know i i found this abandoned hospital it's called the linda vista hospital right outside of uh, downtown la 
Uh, I found oh, it. I didn't even know that. I lived in California for my whole life pretty much until recently. There is a I didn't even know that existed. hospital. Yeah, you should watch the video. It's like literally we filmed it in the basement, in the morgue, in the surgical rooms, in the hallways, in the offices. And this Whoa. guy, I, rem- I remember my budget was six $6,000 that I had raised you know, got from friends. Everybody was just like, was it you know, Kickstarter? Supporting you. I think it just Kickstarter. It, yes. <laughs> okay. There we go. That was going to bother yes. me the rest of the day. It okay. was literally about to haunt me. <laughs> um, so yeah, Kickstarter, you know, we raised about six grand. And so I went to this, this property and I was like, you know what? Everyone was like, this is going to be too expensive. Everyone on the team that I kind of, this crack team that I had built was like, this is going to be too expensive on it. And I was just like, let me see what I can do. So I contacted this guy. This guy was like, it's going to be 10 grand for four hours. And I was like, well, I need, 10 hours and I got a thousand dollars and he's like, <laughs> you don't have a location here. So I was like, okay. And so something told me that the video, I, I toured the place. I was like, this is where it's happening. I don't know how. So I waited till the day before our shoot day. I called this guy up and I was like, Hey, it's Onyx getting He's like, Hey, yeah. Did you, do you have the budget? Da, da, da. And I was like, no, but do you have anything booked for tomorrow? And he's like, well, no. And I was like, I'll offer you a thousand dollars. Either you can take my thousand dollars and have us shoot there for the day because you have a, an opening and you have nothing booked, or don't take a thousand dollars. And he Whoa. was just like, "Well, let me call the partners and let me see if that's possible." So we waited, and I'm just I'm freaking out because I've got makeup artists and dancers and crew and equipment. We re- we already rented the equipment; the deposit was already made. <laughs> like I, I was just like, you just I was went like, all in. You're like, if, hopefully they don't I was, have anything going on. <laughs> I was 19 and I was determined. And he called me back and he's like, okay, the location's yours. You can have it for eight hours. And, but you have to bring your own generators. We're not going to supply generators. So I was like, easy. Went to Home Depot, bought those, returned them after. And go. we shot in this hospital. And it was like, it was, that was the moment that I needed to tell myself, okay, I made all the right decisions. Like I didn't tell myself no when everyone else told me that what I wanted to do was way too ambitious. You know, we ended up making a, a video that looked like it cost, you know, fifty to a hundred thousand dollars because we had that authentic location. We had it was exactly as my mind saw it. And from there, you know, when it was interesting because when I went into school from there, I had a different experience than anyone else I went to school with. Because I had already made a song that was professional and I already had my own professional video and all of those things. Everyone else had nothing going on. Mm-hmm. So it was all like, you know, obviously when you go to music school, it's about networking and learning all these things. And I, I realized like the, I went to songwriting 101. That's one of the first classes that you have to take. And this guy was sitting there trying to explain to us how to write a song. And I was like, oh, I've written like 50 of these things. I've got one out now. Like even I, they had me, every teacher or every professor had me share the video that we just did. It had already been out for like four months. I was already we were already in pre-production for the second one. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I, I switched my focus. I went, I did, I originally did the recording artist program and then I switched it to the artist uh, management program. Mm. So I wanted to learn how to manage myself because I like all of these students that just constantly came up to me like, Hey, we should do something. Hey, we should do something. And I'm just like, I'm already kind of operating on this other playing because I kind of took the initiative. It just, it didn't make sense. So I, I learned how to manage myself you know, I got my associates and I, I, I feel like I, I learned some things, but maybe I didn't get too much out of it. <laughs> um, and then yeah. as most from college, yeah, <laughs> fucking college. I guess, man. Yeah. I guess unless you're like a doctor or something like <laughs> exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. In music, lawyer. I just feel like unless you're on the technical side, like 
music is something that's just in your veins and it's just something that you're born with or you you know develop over time on your own it's a really really intimate connection that you have with yourself mm-hmm. it's really you know it's it, i have to share pieces of my life every single day i'm just like a walking billboard for like my trauma <laughs> 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 and and what i want to do with the world and so yeah yeah that was my 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 beginning journey okay and so from the music video and from the schooling do you just continue putting out music what was the next kind uh, next real milestone that boosted your career yeah the next milestone was that next video so okay. i did this song called manimal and mm-hmm. i decided that i wanted to play two characters that were interacting with themselves and i wanted i wanted these like like human animal hybrids so that was that means we need special effects i need oh, prosthetics yeah. I made, there's one that was the big bad wolf. There was little bunny Fufu. There was, uh, there was like a, a cat. There was a leopard. There were like all these creepy, like, like just spooky animal people. And so we worked for months on these, like on these faces and all these things. And then I was like, damn, we're going to need a, a, like a lot of money. So, you know, I found an angel investor, you know, did, did the Onyx show, figured out a way to get a check. Uh, we had three locations. The shoot was three days, 72 hours nonstop. I literally, I, I ate on the last day and there's a really disgusting picture of me and all my broken nails and fake blood and <laughs> hair just like coming out. I think I had whiskers or something. And we made this like masterpiece, right? This like very thriller-esque video. Uh, first time I did real choreo, like the every, but me interacting with myself, I actually end up murdering myself. I lure lure myself into the darkness and it's like basically this like evil dog catcher kind of guy that's got all these animals in a cage and they steal the keys and break out and like go around town like just wreaking havoc okay and it was really ambitious but that video you know when i launched it i i decided to blindly email all of these club promoters all over the united states vegas florida chicago new york and i decided to put on this self done manimal tour that's what caught the attraction of my management i actually met with them for the first time in in la right before i left and so Mm -hmm. i went to new york i performed i performed in in miami i performed in vegas i performed in chicago i was just on this like high right and then as soon as i got back i started we started the talks about this management company they were developing it and they wanted me to not only be the first artist but also a managing partner so that we could bring on other artists and i was like this is amazing. This is the mm-hmm. dream. These guys are legitimate. This is great. And then, you know, what I spoke about earlier happened almost yeah. instantly. My video had only been out for like three or four months before that started happening. Oh, wow. And then how do you, you know, once you kind of got a, a taste of the music industry in a, in a sense, and it wasn't a very good one, uh, how do you pick yourself back up and say... <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Right. I mean, I would imagine that being hard. It was, oh my gosh, I can't even describe the feeling, you know, when I, you know, I, I ended up getting a DUI, which is strange because drinking was the last thing I was doing. And it was the one time I drank that I was driving erratically and I, I was arrested. I didn't go to court and I kind of drugged that out for basically two years while I was, you know, addicted Mm-hmm. And during that time, because my management knew what was happening, they, you know, they knew the guy I was dating, who was a drug dealer and all these things. It was really twisted. I was still working in music. 
I filmed two music videos that no one will ever see. I was just like a shell of a human being. I look like a skeleton. None of the concepts were what I wanted. The music wasn't like up to par with what I was making. And, you know, I, I, I was wondering, and I remember thinking to myself and like looking in the mirror one day, I was just like, okay, I'm not going to stop doing drugs. So how do I have my music and just kind of continue this charade? And I just couldn't come up with any answers. So I just kept numbing myself and numbing myself and kind of pulling away from that management and kind of anyone really that I was ever connected to until one day I was leaving my apartment and this cop was following me and something inside of me, the universe told me to make the worst illegal U-turn of my life. I knew that there was like, it was literally one of those unmarked cops. I, you know, pulled a U-turn, pulled me over. And I literally remember just laughing, just like, it was almost like a sigh of relief. Like, Oh God, thank God. Like I just need a nap. And this is two years after starting this. And the officer came up to the car and he, he was just like, you know, I'm, I'm pulling you over. You know, there's a warrant for your arrest. You know, you haven't been to court. And I was like, that's totally fine. I'm good. And I was just like, can we make this as chill as possible? <laughs> and right. he was like, he was like, yeah, you know, you, you seem pretty harmless. I'm like, you pat me down whenever you want. He let me, you know, have my phone. I called my mom. I called some people and I was just like, I'm, I'm just going to like, let this happen. It was a Friday. So, you know, when you go to jail on a Friday, you have to stay till Monday. They asked me on Monday, you know, in court, like, do you want a representation in a lawyer? I said, no, I didn't even show up to court. I told myself I need to like be here for a second. And, you know, that was the moment that everything that I finally got out of the darkness. You know, I got out of, I got out of jail, which is crazy to even think that I was in jail. But I, I love, strangely, I loved every second of it because it was like my moment. Like, I was like, yes, finally, something is forcing me to stop doing this shit. Yeah, it and, sounds like it was kind of your, uh, like the, 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 the moment in, you know, in recovery, they talk about just have like the moment of just being like, I need help, right? Like, you have to hit that point in your life. If you don't, then that's how people end up going out or, you know, whatever. Don't exactly. Stop. You need the, the, just the moment of like, I am, I can't do this on my own. I need help. And if, and I feel like you had, you had the like subconsciously when you knew the cop was there, you're like, I'm just going to, whatever I'm the charade is up. I'm going to jail. Yeah. And even at I'm that point, I need to, to stay away from all this. I need at least <laughs> however long you had to hang in. There. I needed, I needed seven days. I was yeah. there for seven days on a DUI thing, which is almost unheard of. I, I was like laughable, but I got out. And, you know, I knew I, I wasn't, I had to get away from like literally everyone I knew. So we, uh, with my parents' help and whatnot, we ended up hiring someone that kind of stayed with me and like protected me and kind of kept people away. This kind of like muscular guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, that was my road to recovery. I decided um, to, you know, start a 12-step program. I wasn't able to do Narcotics Anonymous because it was very triggering for me. So I actually ended up doing alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, hey, it was just, you're a member. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it really like, I did my 90 meetings in 90 days. That's you know, awesome. I didn't really go past that just because I, I already knew I, I was okay. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people need to, to stick with it. And then I got a job in retail. I wasn't doing music at all. I wasn't even thinking about music at this point. 
And I got a job in retail, worked my way up for literally like six years. Wow. I was writing, I was writing music. I ended up going all the way up to Prada. So <laughs> working for literally the top. Which yeah, you rose to the top of all yeah, <laughs> of the retail and, chain, yeah. it sounds like. And I'm I'm thankful for that as well because you know, fashion is a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And learning the back end of these, you know, fashion giants was so crucial. And also this entire time, I'm writing music about what I just experienced. You know, before then, essentially I was sheltered. Before mm-hmm. I went straight to hard drugs, I I hadn't experienced the world. And now I had some real, you know, real things to sing about and real feelings. And not that my feelings before weren't real, but these were just on a different level. Mm-hmm. You know, I had experienced things that most people in the world will never experience. Dark as they may have been, it was still, it was life. Right. And it was life, it was life for the first time. And so, you know, everyone around me, you know, I had my, all my old friends back, my parents, a rack of my life, all those types of things. And they were all, you know, every day I'd hear someone say like, when is Onyx coming back? When's the music coming back? And I'm just like, I'll know when it's coming back. And so one day I was at Prada, I had this really terrible client and she was just like, oh, just the worst. And I like, I stormed out for my lunch and I started writing um, actually this song called Take Me Now. And it was like this kind of like sad song about, you know, it's just like, I can't really feel much right now, but you know, hey, you're there and I'm there. And like, let's see what, what's going to happen here, even though I'm numb. And I was just like, I, t- I promised myself, I was like, I'm going to go into a studio. I'm going to record. I hadn't sang in a long time. And I, I got in the studio and I just like felt like r- a relief, you know? And I, I was just like, okay, record the damn song, make some cover art, put it out, see what happens. Everyone loved it. It like, it kind of like, it blew up on like a small scale. I performed it all over LA and that was just the beginning of like the resurgence. And I was just like, okay, I need an exit strategy out of retail. I need like, I started putting out music, you know, every few months. I came out with a song called High. Uh, mm-hmm. And High was literally a depiction, especially in the video. I recreated some of the darkest moments of my addiction. Uh, obviously, they're all, you know, dramatizations. And, and actually, the things that I'm acting out are things that I saw other people do. Mm-hmm. And... I, you know, I came out with that video and I came out with that song and I had already come out with about four new songs since then. And I, I was just like, you know, I'm getting the same fans. I'm not, you know, it's not exploding. And I was just like, well, what, what's the, what's the missing link here? What, what the hell's going on? Like, why isn't it just like the music's great, but it's like, why isn't anyone really resonating with what I went through? And I realized that most people on earth hadn't experienced that. So most Mm -hmm. people on earth aren't going to be like, yeah, this is my jam. So I was still working in retail. I decided to take my lunch and I found this, like, uh, I remember this abandoned apartment complex and I I started walking inside of it and I was just like, well, what do I want? I want diamonds. I want riches. I want to be a pop star. I want, I want all these crazy things. Right. And I started writing the song Illuminati. Okay. And, and Illuminati is just like completely left field from anything I'd ever written. And I was just like, okay, I just want to be Illuminati. I just want to party with endless Bugattis and hanging out with Cardis. I just want the favors and all the fucking papers pouring out my safe. I made this chorus. I made this. And I was just like, well, I want it to be relatable. Cause you know, not, and not anybody can get into the Illuminati if it exists. 
And I started, <laughs> I, I started telling the story of, you know, like, you know, I didn't have all these things growing up, but wouldn't it be nice if I had a boat? You know, wouldn't it be nice if I had a boat full of diamonds? But you no, know, I need two boats because I, I would definitely screw one up. So I got to have the second one. And I was just like, let me just tell this kooky story. Like what the hell is in my mind? And I made this song, I recorded it. And then I showed one of my friends, Brandon Rogers, who's this like really, really eccentric, you know, big comedian on YouTube. He's just like, he's a legend. I, I was a fan of his, you know, when I was in college and he came over one day after we had met at a club and I was just like, Hey, will you listen to this like weird song I made? I know you like my other music, but just like, listen to this one song. And I showed him Illuminati and he just like, his jaw dropped and he was just like, can, can I use this in, a, in like an episode of a series I'm making? And I was just like, I don't know. Like, that sounds crazy. I don't think I'm going to actually release this. I'm kind of like, I don't know. So I decided one day that, and this is with an ex of mine, I decided to actually move to Costa Rica. And oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is like right at the tail end of the worst part of the pandemic. And we were just like, you know, let's go off the grid. I need a musical break. I need a break from everything. So we, in uh, our second month there, Brandon reached out to me again. He's like, Onyx, let me use the song. I promise you, like, you won't regret it. It'll be amazing. It's during a montage in the, in the episode, nothing crazy. So I was like, fine, just do it. I'll, I'll set up, I'll set up distribution. Like, let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that song blew up. Like, yeah, it's got millions of streams. Yeah. That song blew up and that song was the roots for everything that Onyx is now. Wow. Onyx, like every single thing that I sing about now, you know, the, the villain image, the, the, you know, manifesting all these crazy things that I want, everyone started to resonate with because everybody at some point, you know, especially people who didn't come from money and all of that. They, they imagine these things. They talk about these things with their friends. They'll be like, Oh, you know, I can't wait till I have a boat one day, or I can't wait till I'm sitting on a pile of gold someday. And I was like, well, why don't I just make this as theatrical and dramatic as I possibly can? And that's just how Onyx became Onyx. <laughs> Whoa, that's incredible. And, yeah, and, I, and it seems like uh, you still do stuff with, with Brandon, right? I mean, just via your Instagram. Yeah, Brandon and I are really close, like as friends and especially creatively. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking the other day and he, you know, I got... Uh, uh, we did, we did a few episodes of, of some other shows where I actually acted in them and he used a couple of my other songs. And then, uh, he decided to do this series called Bryce, which actually the second episode dropped just this morning. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, I want you to play like a principal role. Like I want you in a speaking role. You know, this is the backstory of the character that I, that first went viral of his mm-hmm. and this like crazy CEO. And it takes place in the eighties. And I was like, you know what? The eighties is my vibe. Sure. My <laughs> character, my character's name is Delorio. He's this like office asshole. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> I love it. And then after the episode, the first episode dropped, you know, my fan base just started just growing and growing and growing. And he called me one day and I was at the gym and he was just like, Onyx, I need something very specific from you. And I was like, okay. And he's never asked me to make anything original for a series. And he was just like, I need an 80s cover of Britney Spears' Toxic. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I was like, whoa. I was like, I I, I went online and I was like, are there 80s covers of Toxic? Yes, there were. Do you know they were good? but they weren't, they didn't like embrace the eighties. You know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't do the accents, the like 
the like danger us like those like like really yeah, crazy yeah. crazy moments those when i listened so- to it i didn't know this backstory and, I, and, I, and i'm so happy you just told or yes. you're telling it but it remind when you said uh yeah i love the the 80s and i was the first thing i thought in my head was oh yeah when i listened to the toxic cover it has this like depeche mode like dave gahan sound yes. to me yes. and now it all makes sense sorry keep going <laughs> yeah so so he told me that basically in the in the series there's this gang of like bdsm gangsters that like it's a big it's a backstory within a backstory within a backstory and he needs toxic to play and he's like he he's like you're the only person i know that could pull this off and i was like okay how much time do i have and he's like like two weeks <laughs> and i was oh, like wow. what? okay so then i called up a good friend of mine jordy his name is his uh producer name is jack of all we've been working together since college so he's produced a lot of my music and i was like is there any way we can pull this off and he's like, let me listen to the original Toxic. We didn't realize the complexities of the song Toxic. Toxic actually has three different chords. There are multiple key changes. And it is a very hard song to cover. And you wouldn't think it listening to it. But the song com- like completely changes key at- sporadically throughout the song. So he was just like, it was like a struggle. And like the first couple tracks, I was like, no, more. It needs to hit harder. We need like, we need, you know, we need the synths. We need like the, the, the big eighties moments. And like, it needs to start with the synths. They need to, they need to really like slap. And so we went back and forth. And then when I finally got in the studio and we just recorded that in his apartment studio, um, which I feel more at home at than even the bigger studios that I record in. And I listened probably for 48 hours to like every, not just eighties music, but also eighties infomercials. 80s you know movies and tv shows i love the video for freaking sweet dreams by the eurythmics all the weird symbolism and and hidden shit and like i I wanted to make sure that i got this accent down but still make it onyx and so i got in the studio and when i started doing you know the first few lines he like stopped the music he's like whoa he's like this is not he's like i thought that you're going to come in here with the 80s track and just do an onyx song and he's just like Let's keep going. And he, he just pushed me harder. And he's like, even more, get that accent even more, make it even, I wanted it to be camp and funny and like, but still just like the sexy version of toxic. And so we finished the song. I sent it to Brandon and Brandon has never sent me more texts in my life. And he was just like obsessed. He's been listening to it nonstop. And then he, you know, he reached out and he was just like, we got to do a music video. And I was just like, okay. And he's just like, we got to do a music video that comes out with the episode. And I was like, like <laughs> oh my gosh, okay. And I was like, well, where are we going to get the budget? And he's like, no, my team is going to completely do the video. Whatever you want, let's just make it happen. And so I was like, okay, well, I want your character, Bryce, in the video. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay, none of his characters have ever been in a music video. His team has never made a music video. Like this was like, like. A, a completely new venture uh-huh. and the video the video just dropped today i don't know if you've seen it but it is i i saw yeah it came out like two hours ago i think or a few hours ago yeah um yeah. So i saw it come up and i was able to play kind of the first half of it because but i'll check out the rest of it but i i kind of noticed that brandon was in the video from what i Mm-mm. figured when i was watching it yeah, Brandon plays that character Bryce, and we are having this like really lethal poker game where we're betting diamonds and cash. I, I poison her drink. The poison doesn't affect her because she's this super villain monster, and then we end up shooting and killing each other. 
<laughs> okay. I didn't get to the end yet. <laughs> yes. But it's actually, it's interesting. Half of it was actually filmed on VHS tape. Really? Yeah. So those, that then, footage where you see that's kind of grainy, we, we actually uh, kind of played around with the aspect ratios. And you know, those like the kind of black bars that you see in cinematic movies. Yeah. We actually, if you watch, they actually move and flow. And it's actually a really cool trick that you can play on the eyes. So like when they're, when there's VHS footage, it literally looks like somebody is peeking in and watching us on a VHS camera. And then it will open to the cinematic mode, which is in 6K. Yeah. And we kind of played with that throughout the, throughout the video. Whoa, that's cool. I have to ch- I'm going to, yeah, check it out right after this. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a moment. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And do you have new music you're working on as well? Oh, yeah. So um, a couple singles are going to come out uh, shortly here. And then my first EP will come out in May. Exciting. Uh, yes, the EP, I haven't spoken about it much, but I'll, I'll kind of reveal here. But it's called Diamonds. And the reason why it's called Diamonds is because I've actually written the word diamonds in some way, shape, or form into every single song I've done since Illuminati. So if you listen to all my music, you'll hear the word diamonds. Oh, wow. And it's been essential. Purposely theme, like, or just? Purposely. Okay. Yeah. I knew that I wanted to do, I've I always had this weird connection with diamonds. I think it's just like, you know, as this like villain persona and all these things, it's just like, what is the one thing that like every villain wants? And they want world domination. They want diamonds. (laughs) They're always robbing a bank and they're always going in the safety deposit box. And there's always a a metal briefcase full of diamonds with the handcuffs. And it's just like, it's something that like I've easily been able to write into every song. And so, yeah, the EP is called diamonds. Every song in diamonds has, it's like very much like the, the, the story, like the, the personal public, and kind of uh, wants and needs of a supervillain. And, but as a pop star, as a pop star and a supervillain, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to, to, to hear it. You said May? It, yeah, that's yeah, okay. in May. Very cool. Well, Onyx, thank you so much for, for hanging out and, and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. <laughs> I have one more question for you before... I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yes. Um, the best advice that I can ever give anyone is to always remember to say yes to yourself and your ideas. Everyone, especially when you're first coming up, everyone is going to give you their two cents. Everyone is going to tell you how they think that you should be doing your art. Like, oh, I like this video, but I wish it would have ended this way. Or I love this song, but I wish the chorus was slightly different. Or, you know what? No. That's, that's all noise. You need to listen to yourself as an artist. You need to tell yourself yes. And you need to love everything that you do. 